0: So crazy. This is the first. We're already in June. Isn't that just nuts? Um, you know, we're now, so this is our anniversary. This is our, we've officially been here. We're going into our eighth year now. This is the weekend that Don and I first moved here. You know, whoa. No, you're supposed to boo. Let <laughs> me be very clear. But, uh, but I was thinking about that because kind of our story of, of being here, you know, um, I think it was about eight and a half years ago uh, I had been pastoring a church in Wisconsin, in northern Wisconsin and was really happy. we We were in the small town. It was a town of about I think we had something like twelve hundred people in the whole town and um, I, I was just kind of reflecting on the transitions we went through because when we first uh, when Don and I first got married, so we both grew up in like church world, we both come from. Like my parents were involved in church. I've been in the vineyard movement since I was a little kid. Don's like, you know, 18th generation Pentecostal background or something. And, and we got married and we're like, all right, we made a couple rules. You know, like anybody, when you first get married, make some rules for your family? Is that just us? Okay, a few of you have. And some of you husbands are like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to raise my hand right now. Uh, but we were like, all right, we're going to, we're like, we'll never, ever go into ministry. Ever. Like, that's one of the things. We said that we would never, ever move to Wisconsin. And because we lived in Minneapolis and Minnesota, and we're like, yeah, Wisconsin's. And then we also said we will never, ever, ever live in a small town. You know, and then it was like four years later, I'm a pastor in a town of 1,200 people in northern Wisconsin. And I'm like, what? And Lord, we will never, ever win the lottery or be millionaires ever. We would not do it, Lord. We wouldn't. You know, it's like, what? And, uh, but the whole process of moving from this, from, you know, being in Minneapolis to this small town and then learning how how to be a pastor over the course of, you know, still trying to figure that out. But it was like this really crazy process, and we were really happy where we lived at, you know, and then um, I, the only way to say is we started really sensing the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and, and I went through like a major process of grieving leaving the church that we were at for 12 years, because it's like it was the place that I became a lead pastor at. It's where I had learned how to do a lot of different things, and we had led almost everybody in our church in some way, shape, or form. We had led many of them to the Lord, and they were like family. And so it was like really challenging to get to the point of, of letting that go. And yet, um, you know, the Lord clearly spoke to us. We came and visited uh, Red Bluff. And, you know, our story is that when we visited, it was in December of 2015. We came, we met people, we fell in love with our community. We were like, oh my gosh. And then I drove to the Sacramento River and I saw all the trout. And I was like, nah. the Lord has totally confirmed that we are called So this community, like, I just know the Lord has spoken, you know, Uh, kidding, but not really. Uh, So we just, we really knew though, the Lord was calling us here. And so, you know, we went back to Wisconsin and began the process of transitioning and, and we came here and, you know, it's like every, every first weekend of June, I just think about that because, you know, it was one of the best decisions we ever made in our lives. And we're really grateful for the community that we have here, you know, and it wasn't that, we didn't have really close friends in Wisconsin because we did. We still have friends there. But I can say that for me, this is the community that I've never felt more connected. I've never had this many people that I really do consider friends and family because we don't have any blood family here, but we have friends that I'm like, these are people that I, I want to spend time with on a regular basis. You know, I want to have barbecues with these people. And so I'm just really thankful for all of you being a part of our community. And so I'd love to pray and then we're going to get started on today's uh, message. So Father, we do ask for your Holy Spirit to, to show up now. We know that you're here. We know that the Bible teaches you and dwell every single follower of Jesus, but we are asking for your activity, for your work. We're asking for you to enlarge the capacity of our hearts to both receive your love and to give you love. We are asking for you to help us fall in love with Scripture. And Lord, also today, just to help us to see the practicality of of Scripture and how it really does um, fit into our regular, everyday lives. And I pray, Lord, for for those in this room who maybe are exploring faith. Maybe there's people in this room who were forced to come today um, or who are here for, for donuts and coffee And then there's others in this room that have been followers of Jesus for a long time. Lord, would you do what you always do and meet us right where we're at. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this month we're spending time, we just got done in a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, right? We spent uh, about six weeks um, leading up to Pentecost Sunday looking at the Holy Spirit. And we talked about who the Spirit is. And what are the activities of the Spirit? And and this month, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time looking at the book of Proverbs. Because uh, in the world that we live in, I, I think it's fair to say in many ways the world has gone absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. And we live in a world now where right is wrong and wrong is right. We're in a world where most often that which makes no reasonable sense is what people are told to believe and embrace. I mean, I just, it's like, oftentimes you're reading the news, you're like, oh my gosh. I can't keep up. Like this makes no sense. I must be stupid. <laughs> you know which some people will say yes., uh, but that's not the point. But in a world that's really challenging uh, in in the in the situation that we find ourselves, I think we really do need to to consider the guidance that is provided by the ancient world. And just as a, a small aside, there's this really great book. That is called the Paradox of Generosity, written by um, by this author. He's a, he's a uh, sociologist. Called, his name is Christian Smith, and it's really interesting because in his book, it's all about generosity and what he finds through all this research and data that they did over the course of like five to ten years at the University of Notre Dame. Is they have this paragraph where they say this. It says, "What we've discovered after researching and and you know interviewing hundreds of people is that everything that the ancients have told us, the ancient um, traditions have told us that it's better to give than to receive is true because this book finds that basically people who are who are more generous are more uh, happy and more fulfilled in their lives too. So my point in saying that is that I think that there's wisdom from the ancient world that we can gravitate toward in 2023 and we can learn from and in, and apply in our lives. And that's why I think Proverbs is going to be a helpful book for us in this season that we're in. And I think most of us would probably agree that. What would really help us uh, in today's cultural context as as a follower of Jesus is to look back and embrace what Scripture teaches us and to lean into those things. So Proverbs is part of the instructional literature of the ancient Near Eastern culture. And so the writings like this were how people in the ancient world would learn how to think and learn how to behave. It's part of what's called the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. And I really think that we should embrace the wisdom of the ancient world today because I think it's, first of all, it's part of God's Word. But second of all, when you read the Proverbs, you're going to read these certain verses, and you're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Of course that's true because it's self-evident. And so what we're calling this sermon series, though, is we're calling it Virtues. And the reason why I'm using the word virtues, um, I don't think that's a word that that we use oftentimes in today. How many of you would agree that virtue is not a big word? It doesn't it doesn't like naturally happen in a lot of our conversations. But um, for thousands of years, philosophers and theologians and teachers and thinkers, they have thought about and written about how to pursue and how to develop virtues. But we just don't use that word anymore. And I think the reason why is because our society, by and large, has moved away from valuing virtues and character, and we now value a lot of things that are actually contrary to virtues and character. So what I want to do for a moment here is I want to define the word virtue just for us to be thinking about, you know? So if you're wondering, what is a virtue? Great question, by the way. I'm glad that you asked it. Um, here's my working definition of virtue, because so I think that we can define virtue as a Disposition or character trait that is excellent and good and leads to and fosters human flourishing. Okay, let me say that again. It's a disposition or character trait that ex- that's excellent and good and leads to and fosters human flourishing. Classically, in Greco-Roman philosophers, so if you read any of the Greco-Roman philosophers, what they believe with there were four cardinal virtues, and they were wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance. If you've taken anybody ever take a like a philosophy 101 course in college. These are the four cardinal uh, virtues that a lot of the philosophers would spend time thinking about. But when Christianity began to develop in the first century and into the second and third century, a lot of Christian philosophers added three other virtues, faith, hope, and love. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about dispositions or, or characteristics that I think are going to fulfill that thing. They're going to lead to and help human flourishing. Now, as a follower of Jesus, you'll hear me say all the time that the things that we do, ultimately as a church, we kind of have two goals. We want to glorify God, but then we also want to help people. It's pretty simple, wouldn't you agree? We want to glorify God, and we want to work for the well-being of human beings. And those things aren't in contradiction. I think the things that that actually help human beings flourish actually glorify God. And the way that we glorify God should be in a way that also helps people flourish. And so the question I think that we have to wrestle with is how do we develop virtues or characteristics? Like think about when you were a kid, you know, like did some of you have a parent who was really intent on trying to develop your character? Anybody relate to that? Yeah? Like, some of us did. Like, for instance, like, some of us had a dad who were like, hey, son, why don't you get a bunch of your friends to come over so you guys can hang out and go play basketball? Great idea, dad. And you bring all your friends over, and then at 6 a.m. in the morning on Saturday, your dad wakes you up and says, let's go out and do some yard work. It's going to help develop your character. Anybody else have that happen? No, it's just me. And my friends got to the point where they're like, oh, no, we're good. we we We're busy. We can't go to your house. I'm like, come on, dad, you ruined my friendships. But right, we, we all can probably think of times where people around us or uh, maybe our parents or people that we really respected, like some of us have had coaches. I had a really, really great high school ice hockey coach who was like, he was known as a man who wanted to develop men. And so he would, he would coach us in a way that would help build character into our lives. Like no lying no stealing, being respectful of other people, just some of these basic things, okay? And and some of us in the room, now that we have kids, we're we're concerned about developing character in those kids. And so when we think about how do we develop virtues in our life, uh, one way I think for us to do that as followers of Jesus is to engage with the teachings of scripture and to put those teachings into practice putting those teachings into practice, because I don't think it's enough just to have right ideas to know what the Bible teaches. We need to take those ideas, and we need to apply it into our lives. And, and I don't mean just on Sunday mornings, amen? I mean in the normal rhythms of our lives. And so for this reason, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, and it's, it's mostly written by a, a, a man by the name of Solomon. And Solomon was the son of King David. So, if you know kind of the story of Israel, Solomon is the is the king of Israel uh, about a thousand years before Jesus lived, and he is the one who mostly wrote the book of Proverbs. And and he's a really remarkable person. We're going to talk more next week about the story on how Solomon became so wise, but. Why are we looking at the writings of of Solomon in today's cultural context? It's because of the wisdom that he has. Because God gave him a ton of wisdom, like we'll talk about next week. But look at this background to Solomon, just to get an idea of what kind of man wrote this book. Listen to this. This is from 1 Kings 4. It says, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. So what we see here in 1 Kings is that Solomon had an overwhelming amount of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. And for that reason, we're going to spend this month, kind of digging into him. Now, this is the thing that's really important. If you really want to get everything you can out of this book, I want to encourage you to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Like, there's no way in an entire month that we'll be able to wrestle with all the different passages in this book. And so that's why I think if, if you would just add that rhythm to your life, you, you'd be doing well. And so next week, we'll talk a little bit more about Sal- uh, <laughs> Salmon. Solomon. He was a specialist in fish. That's what I think about a lot, okay? The reason why I'm out on the river all the time, I'm trying to do research like my man Solomon. I don't know why you guys are so judgmental. Jeez. <laughs> Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge about fish. <laughs> but uh, he's full of wisdom. And I, I really do think that as I've been meditating and we've been preparing to do this sermon series for the last couple of months, um, the thing that struck me about the necessity of us leaning into Proverbs is that in today's world, I mean, really, in today's world, we just need more wisdom, don't you think? Like, we need wisdom. I mean, think about the relationship challenges, um, the political issues that face our society from the, the right and the left, and, and we have the issues that are related to parenting or marriage or employment or you know, just overall character development, we really do need the wisdom of proverbs. This morning I had an interesting, this is just thinking about like, like practical examples. We had, um, somebody showed up at church like really super early and they've been here before. And and in the past, what they do is they come in and they basically are like, I want money. I want, a dr- I want you to drive me somewhere or, you know, just random things, which I wanna say that as a church, it's important for us to do those things to help people, right? Would everybody agree? Okay, like that is a value. But at the same time too, like we can't always just do everything Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or whatever, right? So I was just telling, hey, we would love to help you. And you know, it's just gonna have to be a little bit here because we're right in the middle of getting a meeting going. And I said, can you hang out? And then they started to yell at me because our coffee wasn't out yet. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Yell at them. I've been waiting for the coffee too. Where, let's go find out where this coffee. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I was, like, I was like, well, hey, hold on. It'll be out soon. And I was having just a normal conversation and the person just started yelling at me. And I'm like, whoa. And then you Christians and da, 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 da. Okay. And I've personally given this person, like I've spent probably hundreds of dollars to help them get them food and things like that. And so I'm like, okay, hold on. Pause for a minute. Okay. So just let's just say we pause it all. So this is when we need wisdom, right? Because I'm like, on one hand, I think it's important for the church to have a good witness in helping people, because like we went back to saying that our two things are to glorify God and to help people, right? We said that. But then I'm also thinking about how last week this person bombed the ride off of somebody who was very generous to do it, but like we don't know this person. And so I'm thinking, what about the safety factor, right? and and wanting to make sure that we don't live in fear, but also being wise. Do you understand right now why there's like situations where we're like, oh, what do we do? We need wisdom. We need discernment. And this is what Proverbs does, is there's all these various statements that Solomon writes that helps us think about how to live our life in a way that is glorifying to God and helps people, okay? And I know that everybody in this room right now has situations therein where you're looking for some wisdom. Anybody in the room like, yeah, I need some wisdom on this. Like, how am I going to pay my bills when I don't have any money? Or should I move out of my mom's basement and get a job? Proverbs actually talks about that. It has some things to say, okay? I'll I'll save it for later, though. So we're going to talk a bit about this over the course of this month. And really, we're thinking about this idea of having you know godly, guidance in an unstable world. That's really kind of the goal. And so in today's text, we're going to read one passage, a short passage in Proverbs. We're going to look at how the author of Proverbs describes his writing's purpose. He's going to tell us exactly why he wrote this letter because when we're studying scripture, one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is why did the author of this passage or this book, why did this author write this? What was the intention behind what they were writing? And so I'm hoping you'll see in this passage why it's important for us to spend time meditating on and reading the book of Proverbs. And so this is what we read in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables. The words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And this is the word of God. So, why are these proverbs helpful for us? I mean, Solomon lays it out. He, he essentially says that they're going to teach people wisdom and discipline. Was it, we, I'm in a Bible study on Wednesdays, and if any of you are looking to explore, christianity and are wanting to grow in your discipleship we have a bible study here at seven o'clock on wednesdays and i was in it and one of the people that were there we were talking about defining discipleship and and somebody brought up the idea of like well it's about helping us become disciplined and like i don't know about you but it seems like in today's world discipline is bad right like whoa you know don't we don't i mean does anybody in the room like discipline you know like please ground me dad (laughs) right Like, we don't like it, but did you know that the the Bible actually teaches that God disciplines those whom he loves? And discipline is a big, important part of shaping us into into a way of living that conforms to Scripture, right? So discipline is important. And I'm not talking about abusive, manipulative, like, non-gracious discipline. I'm talking about we need to understand that we have to have discipline, right? Like, there comes a certain point where you should not eat another donut. Are you with me? It's true. Like, I mean, the Bible has a lot to say about gluttony. I don't like those verses, but uh, they're there, right? They're uncomfortable because in our cultural context, we will overlook things like that and we'll lean on other things. But Scripture has a lot to say with with the... way that we live our lives in the way that we discipline ourselves. So teach people wisdom and discipline. Help people understand the insights of the wise. Proverbs will teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, and I think that's an important concept. The success that Jesus is looking for is the success that he talks about when he talks about abundant life. Like when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we will be more successful in the schemes and the definition of the kingdom, not in the world's definition. So I also love that Proverbs here says that it's going to help people to do what is right, just, and fair. And it's going to give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. So for the whole month of June, what we're doing is we're going to lean into these several virtues that we're going to be fleshing out. We're going to be looking at wisdom. We're going to be looking at courage. And we're going to be looking at kindness. We're going to filter each Sunday through those different lenses and look at the different things that Proverbs will help us understand. We're going to scan uh, along the way other different virtues too, but those will be the primary ones that we're going to do. And just before we close, I want to offer you a reminder about why our biblical theology must always be applied. Okay, like I've been to churches where you, you hear a great message and then you leave wondering how in the world you put that into practice. Right. And, and the thing about our tradition, the vineyard, our, our movement, we've always, as much as we can, we've always known that it's not good enough just to know the word of God. We have to be doers of the word of God. Right. It has to be applied. It has to be applied every day of the week. And so we want to be thinking about that. And what I love about Proverbs is this may be one of the most practical books in the Bible. Like, you cannot get more practical by some of the things that that Proverbs says. And this is something that a a number of biblical scholars uh, flesh out. In fact, uh, Dwayne Garrett says it this way. He says, by this book, okay, by Proverbs, he says, one can learn the principles that determine success or failure in the major arenas of human activity, including business, personal relationships, family life, and community life, right? Covers all those things. And then David Pawson wrote that the book of Proverbs describes life as it really is, not life in church, but life in the street, the office, the shop, the home. The book covers all aspects of life, not just what you do on Sunday in church. It considers how you should live throughout the week in every situation. And I I think it's going to be really, really fun for us to do this. Now let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to wrap up in prayer in a moment, but how many of you in this room would say right now you are desperately in need of some wisdom? Is there anybody who like, I'm yeah, a few of you, right? How many of you are standing next to somebody who you think desperately needs some wisdom? Let's just get yeah It's so fun to do this. I don't okay I, Literally, every husband in the room was like, <laughs> like, they're all looking at me like, <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, like, I think it's easy to say that that there's a lot of situations that we find ourselves in where wisdom is the needed needed thing in that moment, right? And I remember uh, in when I was probably like 24, 25, and, you know, what had happened for me is you know, really quickly. I, so I was always into theology. Like I told you, I didn't want to be a pastor, but I was like, man, I want to be a theologian. And so I did my undergrad degree in theology. I started a master's degree in theology. And at that time I started to like have this thing happening to me where I started to actually like people. And I was like, I kind of, maybe, so I got to figure out a job where I can like work with people and do theology, but not pastor. You know, and I was trying to do that. And, uh, and I remember I was, I was in, in my office one time and I was praying and I was trying to figure out, I was like, Jesus, do you want me, do you want me to, to, to be a theologian and to finish my PhD and just do the theology stuff or do you want me to work in the church and, and love on people? Wh- which one is it, Lord? I need your wisdom. And the Lord said, yes. And I was like, wait, What? <laughs> And that's the thing about God is you can't out you can't outwise God. Right? Like he he's he's like he's able to demonstrate a wisdom that like I wasn't even able to think and conceptualize that you could do both of those things. And so we need wisdom and you have your situations that you're going through where you're maybe facing relationship issues or employment issues or struggles in your family or you're trying to navigate all these crazy things and you desperately need wisdom, and I want to read you this one last verse, and this is from the book of James, where James writes these words, and this is so beautiful. He says, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if you need wisdom this morning, I want to tell you right now, Scripture tells us that God is so generous and he will give you wisdom. And so I'd love to just do this. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. And we're just going to take a moment right now and we're just going to, we're going to actually, we're going to wait. And whatever situation you have in your life right now that you need wisdom for, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you because we believe in our church that God speaks to us, that the Holy Spirit can can speak to our hearts and can help us to know what is The next thing that we need. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come right now in this room? Lord, there are are a lot of people in this room, including myself, who we need wisdom. And we're going to cling to that promise in James that that James reminds us that you are generous, God, and, and you freely give wisdom to those who need. And so, God, whatever situation is represented in the lives of your people right now, whatever questions, whatever concerns, whatever situations. Would you right now give us your wisdom? And just with everybody's eyes closed for just a moment. Um. This morning I was praying, and, and I, I kept having this sense that that there's a, a number of particular people who are just feeling really super stuck. Like that word stuck kept kept just kind of coming to the surface in my prayer time. And, and I almost feel like what the Lord was, what I think that the Lord was kind of laying on my heart was that you're so stuck right now, you're not even able to get to the point of being open to receive God's wisdom. Like you're just, I don't know, it was almost like you, you had just a lot of chaos and the inability to hear from God and you're feeling like, oh man, God stopped speaking to me. And I wanna let you know right now, you're not the only person who has gone through seasons where you feel like God's not speaking to you. I mean, there are entire books of the Bible that were written to describe that. The Psalms are full of times where that is, is happening. But if you're here this morning and you're feeling that way, you're feeling, yeah, I'm feeling a little stuck. I'm feeling like I need some wisdom, but I don't know how to even hear from God right now. I'm, I'm just, there's something going on. We'd love to pray for you for a minute. And so you don't have to do anything right now. Um, I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward this morning. I'm just going to pray right now for you. And if you identify with that, one of the things that we often do here at the Vineyard is we just raise our hands just like I'm doing right now. And, it, and it's, an, it's an outward expression of inward reality it's like our worship you know where we just say god would you would you do this and so if you want to do that you you can if you want to just stand where you're at that's fine too but holy spirit right now i pray that you would bring freedom from being stuck and that you would help everybody in this room who's really struggling and, and not feeling like you're speaking or not knowing how to get out of the situation that they have found themselves in Would you right now, by the power of your spirit, begin to bring them out of that? And that you would begin to give them wisdom as your scriptures promised, that you would be generous in the outpouring of of Holy Spirit wisdom. thank you that, as, as James writes, you will never rebuke us for asking you for more. So give us more of your wisdom, God. Now, Lord, as we transition from this gathering for worship and for encouragement and for, for hearing Scripture, Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us to live our lives this week in a way that's been transformed by the truth of your Son, Jesus, and that you would help us to listen to your Spirit's leading. That as we read through the book of Proverbs together as a community, that we would be encouraged and challenged, and that you would go with us out into the world where we would take the love that we have received from you and give it all away. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people who agreed said, Amen.